This is the Value Investor Podcast with Tracy Reinick. All things value, all the time. Welcome back, value investors. So the 13 Fs are out for last quarter, and these are the filings where the hedge funds have to tell us what they were buying and selling. And of course, the one that most of us value investors care about, even though there are several managers we could be tracking on the value side, but the one we most care about is, of course, Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. And it's always the big story whenever the 13F comes out, we see what he's buying and selling. But this quarter, it was kind of not a big story. Not not much happened after the 13F came out. Everyone was kind of deflated, like, oh, that's it? Like, almost nothing happened? And so it kind of got brushed aside pretty quickly. But I I wanted to take another look at what he is doing or is basically not doing and ask some questions about what what he's doing with his money, because I feel like we can learn some lessons from seeing what he and his two lieutenants are doing with all their cash. So just so you know, Berkshire now has um, about $128 billion in cash. That's what they're sitting on now. And just for some comparison, just 10 years ago during the financial crisis in 2009, he had $23 billion, And that was a lot back then. He was able to wield, wield it well. He um, you know, got into some banks, bailed out some people, and still had some left over. And now he's sitting there at $128 billion. And he said in the past in interviews that he really didn't expect to be having $140 to $150 billion sitting there in the next couple of years. Well, here we are, and he's already at $128. I mean, it's a, it's a, not a, you know, it's a good problem to have. Let's just put it that way. Except for a money manager, once you get that much cash, or even a company, what do you do with it all? You're not going to spend it all, basically. <laughs> you can't find enough to spend it on, which is Buffett's problem right now. And so it seems kind of obvious to me that they're going to have to do some kind of special dividend or something with the money. Sorry, I know he doesn't like dividends, but in order to get rid of some of it, he's going to have to do something. But that's not really what this podcast episode is about. I wanted to look at what he was buying in this quarter because it was just kind of brushed aside by most people because these were two small positions that he started or and we don't know if it was him or his lieutenants but that's their MO, right? It's just Berkshire Hathaway was doing this. And we can all speculate until we actually hear from Buffett at like an annual meeting or one of the interviews he does, he sometimes will disclose who it was that bought whatever new position they have, which he did um, a couple quarters ago when they bought Amazon and everybody was like all shocked, like how could Buffett buy Amazon? And that he quickly said one of the lieutenants bought it and he wouldn't say which one of them. And of course, they're able to do whatever they want with their set designated money. So he couldn't stop them basically um, is what he said. So um, we don't know who's doing these two buys, but I did want to look at them because it does kind of go to some broader trends in his portfolio and could maybe give you some ideas about what you need to be doing to find some value stocks out in your own portfolio. Okay, so the first one he bought was RH, formerly known as Restoration Hardware. They do go by RH now, and the ticker is just RH. And I own this in my own personal portfolio, and I've owned it for a couple of years now. And so I I wasn't surprised, but I was surprised when Buffett 
uh, bought into this because they are not that big of a market cap. And he only bought a position of $206 million, which is just small potatoes compared to Berkshire's whole portfolio. It's basically nothing. But I did still feel it was interesting that they felt that this was a value and they could get in there and still money is money. So um, even if it's a small position to still uh, get something cheap is what they try to do. So what is it about RH? So they are the upscale furniture maker and now restaurateur, I guess you could say, because they're big galleries, which they've opened in many U.S. major cities now have restaurants in them since they started that initiative here in Chicago at the gallery in the Gold Coast neighborhood in Chicago. They discovered that uh, not only does the restaurant do well that are in these big gallery type stores that they've built, but it actually drives furniture sales and item sales in the store. Now, these galleries I, I keep calling them stores. They're not really stores because you can't actually buy something and then walk out with it. You can buy things online inside the store, but you have to have it delivered separately to your house. And um, it's just a gallery place that showcases their products, basically. And it's a lot of it's about experiences and lifestyle. And RH is doing a really good job of knowing their niche and knowing their audience. And that is people who want to buy upscale furniture. And they are led by CEO Gary Friedman. He's been there a long time. He was with Williams and Sonoma before that. And I believe he started his career at Gap. So he has a long retail history. He is trying to be an innovator and a disruptor in retail. That's why he's running these galleries and not real stores, regular stores. They also don't care so much about online sales. That's not their driving uh, thing. It's really about the experiences of the stores right now. And so that all seems to be working for them. Um, this stock was cheap when Berkshire was getting into it. It was trading as low as a PE of 10. And so we don't know when exactly he bought in, but it's not trading at 16.9 times, which still is not uh, super crazy expensive for an, you know a retailer, any stock right now. They're expected to grow earnings 26.6% this year and another 14.7% next year. They have stopped giving any kind of same store sales data or anything like that. Um, they do give out revenue, but um, yeah, restoration hardware. This was an interesting little buy here. And of course, Berkshire has a history of buying into some of these consumer discretionary companies that have uh, powerful brands and long history. They do own another furniture company that's there in Omaha. So they're not... Um, newbies to furniture, let's just put it that way. And some of their other big dis consumer discretionary names include, you know, Dairy Queen and um, Pampered Chef. And I could think of a couple others, but um, they have the Seas Candy. So they have other consumer names in there. And then I took a look at the rest of the portfolio just to kind of see uh, what other kind of consumer discretionary names are actually in there in, as stocks, that they don't own the business outright. And one of the other names that people might forget about is restaurant brands. And that ticker is QSR. They own Tim Hortons, Burger King, and Popeye's, which has the hot chicken sandwich, of course, and Burger King with those Impossible Burgers. 
So they've owned this position for a while now, and it's no longer cheap. It's trading at 40, 24.5 times uh, forward earnings there. So, but, so they do have a history in this restaurant space and with consumer brands. So this is like another addition to that. Um, so not as surprising as what some people acted like when they got in. I was only surprised because it's so small, and I didn't think they would take a position there. But... Uh, Berkshire and um, just Warren Buffett in general seems to like companies with CEOs that are either the founders or that been there to drive the business for a long period of time. And you can definitely say that about RH. It is Gary Friedman's business, basically. And so he might be interested in that aspect of it. Okay, so switching over to the other new name, and this one is in one of the beaten down areas that um, almost nobody's getting into. So this was a little bit of a surprise, but then also not. And it's Occidental Petroleum, ticker OXY. I know everybody hates the energies and they hate the EMPs, but if you recall, Occidental just uh, closed a deal to buy Anadarko, and they had to outbid Chevron to get Anadarko. And the price was high. And so they need a little bit of outside help in order to swing the finances. And of course, who comes to the rescue? Who has cash? Berkshire Hathaway. And so they bought $10 billion in preferred stock in that deal. It pays an 8% dividend. Uh, so that's not a bad deal. They're getting 8% on their $10 billion, better than the bank. And they get warrants to buy up to 80 million shares for $62.50. Now, this is a um, so that is a big position that they have. And then during the quarter, they actually bought stock on the open market. And this was a very small position, just 360 million or so, just a little over 300 million. And so that's very small compared to the 10 billion they already have in there. So you might ask, like, why? Why did he buy more of this when he already just had the 10 billion um, in the preferred stock? Plus, he can buy more through the warrants. And I feel like this is more of a confidence play. The shares have come down. They are cheaper than even when he agreed to the deal, much cheaper. And um, he's kind of saying, you know, I'm I'm in this deal. I still like it. And I'm throwing some confidence behind the CEO, who is also a longtime employee of Occidental. Again, Berkshire Hathaway likes long-term CEOs. And she has been around the company for a couple of decades, uh, starting out on a rig, I believe, somewhere. And so she knows the business and Buffett loves CEOs like that. And he loves to just let them do their thing. He provides the cash, they run the business, and all is well in the world. So Occidental right now is paying still that really big dividend yield. It has not been cut. They're yielding 8.3%. A lot of people think this will be cut because those estimates have really come down because this deal is just um, causing some chaos, let's just say, and there's a lot of costs involved. So in 2019, they're expected to make $1.80. They made 5 last year, $5.01 down to $180. That's an earnings decline of 64%. And then 2020, they see further declines, analysts, they see it down to 137 
and that's down from 322 just 90 days ago. So before their earnings report, analysts were a little more bullish about next year, but now they're saying no, no can do there too. So a lot of people are asking how they're paying this big dividend if the earnings are going to crash down as badly as they are. And so that's always a risk. Occidental did not cut its dividend yield during the um, oil plunge of 2015, 2016. They did maintain it, but, and they know it's kind of key to keeping investors in, in the shares right now as the shares have come way down and investors are a bit jittery. So we'll see. So, but you can't depend on the dividend. Now these shares right now with the earnings cut are, have a forward P of 21.1. So um, they're not cheap on a PE level, but a lot of the energy stocks don't really trade necessarily on just the PE because of the fluctuation in the earnings here. So I thought I'd take a look and see what other energy plays uh, Berkshire Hathaway is in because I knew they had a couple of other ones because it is an area that Warren Buffett has liked over the last couple of decades. It's you know pretty steady with its cash flows. They have again, the long-time management usually at a lot of the energy companies. And so uh, it's a lot of things he can relate to. Plus, there is a bit of a moat there. If you have a refinery, probably not many other people are just going to build one. <laughs> it's a bit hard to build a refinery in the United States these days. So has a bit of a moat. And one of them of the other energy companies he does own is a refinery company, Philip 66. He did sell a few of these shares, 370,000 in this last quarter. We don't know why. Again, it still has a decent sized position. Um, it could be he was raising some money to buy Occidental. We don't know um, because each of the lieutenants has their own like uh, separate little cash hoard. And we don't know if each one has already spent it all and then they need to raise money through some other maneuver to get, you know, cash again to buy again. We don't know. So that could be some one of the scenarios here or they just decided um, we're going to cash in a little bit here on this particular position, but still owns a lot of shares. And this one is cheap. It's trading at 13 and a half times. They are a refiner. So keep that in mind, a little bit different than Occidental does not have any refining. And so earnings expected to decline 25% this year and gain 22% next year. Refining also is a little bit different because there's things like crack spreads and these other things things that uh, determine the earnings. So it doesn't always move the earnings picture, at least doesn't always move hand in hand with what oil prices are doing, for instance. So keep that in mind. Um, but Philip 66 PSX is that ticker. And then he owns Suncor Energy, SU. This is a Canadian oil sands play. And um, they're kind of interesting because they're cheap too. They have a forward P of 12.6. And they just recently announced that they're going to increase their share repurchase program by $500 million. So they were at $2 billion, and now it's going to be raised to $2.5 billion, and they're going to finish that repurchase by February of 2020, so just in the next couple months. So that's going to put a floor under these shares for sure. They have already done $1.74 billion of this repurchase plan as of uh, somewhere in the beginning of November. And so, again, this will put some floor under it, but 
Warren Buffett likes companies like this that have good cash flows where they can do big share repurchases. They also pay a dividend trading uh, with a yield right now of 4%. That's pretty nice too. So you get both the share repurchase dividend yield of 4%. These shares are not trading at their lows, even though the PE is low, probably because of um, you know having a little bit of a floor under it with the company purchasing so many. So keep that in mind that um, even as he adds to some of his positions, he has some stocks in some of these areas already. And it's always interesting to kind of look and see what everything is trading at and understand that he's bought some of these quite a while ago when they were much cheaper. And it is interesting to see that his consumer discretionary is so expensive now. I would kind of put Apple in consumer discretionary too. And his Apple position is now trading at 20.2 times. So that's the highest Apple's been in, I want to say the last decade or so, uh, maybe at least since the financial crisis. And when Buffett was getting into these shares a couple of years ago, it was much cheaper. It was trading around 10 times. So now Apple, not so much a value stock anymore, which is maybe why they're not adding to their position here as these shares continue to hit new all-time highs. Amazon, they didn't, they have not added to Amazon either after that first initial ad that surprised us all. Amazon ticker AMZN is still trading at 85 times. But um, we've never really heard an explanation about how it was a value stock um, by classical means. It could have been a value stock based on its industry or something like that. But Buffett kept reassuring us after the news came out about it that, of course, there's value in Amazon. And I'll explain it to you at some point, but we haven't heard that yet. Um, But nevertheless, it's in Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio now. And so... Um, Nobody will be surprised if the shares pull back some more and it uh, gets a little more attractive here if they add to that position. And again, he certainly has plenty of cash sitting there in order to do so. So it's always interesting to see what Berkshire Hathaway is doing and how it can influence our own portfolios. And I feel like one of the things that um, these two purchases in general do do is that it focuses on that uh, these value investors are looking at retail and some retail does have cheap, uh, is cheap, and some is not so much so cheap anymore. Um, but there may be some other buying opportunities in retail in general. And I'm going to discuss some of those on an upcoming episode once we get all the retail earnings reports in, which we have not yet gotten. So that's an interesting part of it. And also that he bought a little bit more of energy, which is basically completely hated. Almost nobody's buying it. But of course, that's when us value investors should be taking a look, right? And I know some of you just based on your own uh, moral beliefs, you know, beliefs about climate change want nothing to do with energy. So that makes sense. And there's plenty of other industries you could be investing in. But for those of you who um, are energy fans, and are looking around for deals, it's been real hard to even dip a toe in there, right? Because the shares keep going down. It looks like they're never going to turn around. And it's just, uh, you know, while you have Apple hitting all-time highs, you have Occidental going the other way. So, but value investors, we try to seek out when the market 
is uh, turning its back when it has decided that there's, you know, nothing to see there and it wants nothing to do with those stocks. And that's where energy is today. So Berkshire Hathaway makes it so easy. They're just like, oh, we'll put a little bit into Occidental here. We already own, you know, the 10 billion of preferred stock anyways. We already own Suncor and Phillips 66. We're fine with this. But for the rest of us, it makes us a little bit more nervous, right? But that could be because that means there is some value there and uh, value investors have to have that strong stomach to get into some of these areas. So like I said, I'll be doing an episode on the retailers coming up. So you don't want to miss that. And I'll I'll probably be covering energy soon enough too, because I'm waiting to kind of see what's happening with the insiders there, because they can give us some ideas as well. Is Buffett kind of an insider at Occidental now? I don't know. I would kind of say yes. So this is an insider-ish, comp- you know, owner deciding um, that they still believe in what's happening at the company by buying more of those shares. So let's recap the tickers for this episode that uh, are in Berkshire Hathaway's portfolio. And so we'll start with RH. That is the furniture retailer that they just bought last quarter. The ticker is RH. Occidental is OXY. Then we had the other energies. Suncor is SU. Philips 66 is PSX, as in X-ray. And then restaurant brands has that weird ticker, and I can never remember it, QSR, if you want to own those hot stories with uh, Popeyes and Burger King. And then we mentioned Apple, AAPL, and Amazon, AMZN. And again, in disclosure, I do own RH, and I have been a long-term shareholder of Amazon, but I do not own any of the others. And as always, you want to subscribe so you can get the future episodes. And we're going to have a lot of fun episodes at the end of the year here about what to look out for in 2020. So don't miss a single one. Get us on Spotify. You can get us on Apple Podcasts as we're we're adding to the Apple revenue stream over there. And um, you can also get us on SoundCloud under Zach's Market Edge and a whole bunch of other platforms. Just Google us. Google the Value Investor Podcast from Zach's. And you'll find us, but subscribe somewhere so you don't miss a single episode. And I'll see you again next week with some more value stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.